0: So good evening again, um, you are welcome to take a book. Yes, okay. we will be using some of the text. So if you need a book, you can take one and you can tear it open. Um, yeah, just kind of, you need like a fingernail or a key.
1: Is this just for tonight's
0: class? Well, I'm yeah. going to keep it for all the classes. Oh. And so we'll keep them here. Unless you want to take them. If you've paid for the course and you want to take them home, you're welcome to if you want us to hold on to it
2: so yeah. that it's
0: here for next time. It does have some additional readings at the back of the course, of the each course, which are sometimes fun to go home and read. But um, then you need to remember to bring it back. Otherwise, we will hang on to it for you. With pleasure. Okay, so just some context before we deep dive into kosher. Um, This particular course is a little more focused than usual on the action. So what we do at these courses often is, you know, talk about the Kabbalah of, and we talk about the philosophies and the emotions and the thought processes of different holidays or different concepts in Judaism or different mitzvahs. And we do always end off with an actionable item, but a lot of times it's just you know the the, the conversation. It's a farbringen. Fabringon is you know lots of philosophizing, lots of sharing. Um, this particular course is um, taking the idea of ha haikar, which is the action is the most important part. So when we have those conversations, and then we say, you know, let's talk about something actionable. So the Rebbe really drove the point of that's the most important part of the whole thing is taking that action item away from the conversation. So this course is really kind of focused on the action. It's focused on mitzvahs and making them tangible, making, helping us understand them in a practical way so we can go home and try a little bit more of whichever mitzvah we spoke about. So we talked about mezuzah last time. And we are going to talk about the mitzvah of kosher this time, and still as a way of an introduction, I want to just just talk about the idea of mitzvot so we can put kosher into the right category of mitzvahs because we know that there's 613 mitzvahs. And probably because most of you have been at, all of you have been at classes here before, you know that when we translate the word mitzvah, you know, the general translation or understanding of it is a good deed, or a commandment, you know, can you do a mitzvah and bring me a glass of water? Can you do a mitzvah and bring the shopping bags in from the car? Um, we use it in that context. It generally refers to a, a divine commandment that God gave us, um, things that he wants us to do. Those are the positive commandments, the positive mitzvahs, and the things that he tells us that He we should not do, those are the negative mitzvahs. Um, and we also know if you've learned Hasidus, if, you, if you've learned Kabbalah, that mitzvah is um, related to the word savta. So the root of the word mitzvah is the same root as the word savta, which means to attach or to join. Because really what you're doing when you do a mitzvah is more than a good deed and more than something that God just commanded us to do. But we're really bundling and connecting ourselves, the person that was commanded with the commander, the person, the, the not the person, the being that gave that commandment. And so we're creating this essential bond between us and God. So that's a mitzvah in general. Then in the Torah, there's 613 mitzvahs and they are divided into three categories, three general categories. And they are mishpatim, mishpatim are laws, edut are um, testimonials and chukim decrees. Okay? So these three categories can be summarized in the following way, mishpatim are logical rules of behavior. So, they include anything that gives us, creates a, um, just a civilized civilized world to live in. Things that had God not put in the Torah, we probably would have come up with ourselves. So, don't steal, honor your parents, we can go on and on, all of the, any thinking brain would come up with probably all of them, you know, maybe some trial and error, but Mm -hmm. Even if God had not commanded them, they're logical. They, we need them so that we could live um, peacefully, as peacefully as possible, and in a civilized way. Then you have a dot. So a dot is we said testimonial law. So these are like um, rituals, and they're not. They're not just rituals. They're they're you know they're given by they're given through the Torah. So they're all they all they're all consciousness raising. So they all have a reason that we that we you know shabbat is a fits into this cat- category we commemorate that god created the world and you rested on the sixth day but it also gives us an awareness that god created the world Paso, pesach is a testimonial we are te- we're, we're commemorating the exodus from egypt and we're also focusing our minds on freedom um making
2: a blessing on food
0: no we are—we wouldn't necessarily come up with them on our own, and definitely not in the same way that God did. But they are logical. It makes sense to remember the Exodus from Egypt. It makes sense to remember creation. It makes sense to celebrate being taken—you know, being led through the desert by God on clouds and being given the manna. And all that those are what we're doing when we're doing the Edut. And then the third category is the Chukim, the decrees, which Torah offers no reason for so those are kind of just god's decree that's why they are we try and say them as decrees and they include things like shotners why are we not wearing clothing that makes wool and linen? go explain i mean i would heard some but there's
1: no real rational
2: right so what we're going to actually talk God about soon stuff. is that we
0: do mm-hmm. find benefits and reasoning even to these but there isn't like a clear um, cup. There's not that many chukim, but shatnes, all the laws of um, ritual purity. Mm-hmm. So how you become ritually impure and how a mikvah purifies you. Because it's kind of-
1: Is yeah. Brit Millah testimonial?
0: Or? Yes, mm-hmm. Brit Millah is a testimonial. And another good example for um, chukim is kosher. Mm-hmm. So we are going to first put kosher into obviously it's a mitzvah and it's in the category of chukim. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to take this a little bit further because it's just so much fun. If you think of the the us and God are in a relationship, so now let's apply these three types of connection points with it as to a human relationship, right? So if you are in a relationship with a significant other, what would the behaviors that would be logical um, mishpatim, like you need them to have a functional relationship or a functional home if it's a partner that you're building a home with. So what would an example of a mishpat be? Communication.
2: Yeah.
0: What was that? I was thinking like communication, maybe? Communication. I don't,
2: I don't know what
0: Okay. Yeah, I would say like I would bring it even more basic. Like kind of when you know, you know the five love language, like acts of service. What are the things that need to happen that logically need to happen so that you can co you can just live with like mm-hmm. coexist with somebody, live in a shared space. You know, communication, compromise, compromise. You know, whatever acts of service. Just getting into this pattern of of things and getting things that need to be done done so that it's it's clean. It's there's community, but all of those types of things like really just following the rules of each other, following each other's rules, respect. respect. What about a de- the testimonials, the ones that commemorate something. So if you're in a, we're talking about a spouse or a, or a partner, your anniversary anniversary, exactly. This is what, this is our ritual for our birthday, or this is, we you know, this is our, this is we, we celebrate birthdays. We celebrate, our first date, our first kiss, our engagement, our wedding, our, you know, all of those, like when you commemorate those days, those are the testimonials. And then Chokim, the decrees, what would those be in a relationship? Okay, we're, the, the spiritually, yes. They
2: ask of you that make no sense to you. Okay,
0: so that when someone says, just because I like that, and you're like, it makes no sense to, you know, to like it that way. Because I said so. Because that's how, like, right, that's what I like. And so those would be the chukim. And when you take it to, um, oh, before we go to like a parent child, which of those three is the most romantic? Because that's the way they like it. Exactly. <laughs> okay.
2: that, exactly. Okay. Right? Yeah
0: okay now if you think of like a parent child so mishpatim are the rules of the house you know these are the rules of our home this is what you need to do these are your chores these are your responsibilities this is the way that i expect you to respect me respect the other people in the house people that all of that um testimonial same birthdays you know first day of school whatever it is all those and then chokim is when just because i wanted to say this like when mom is like because i said so and like ah. right it's what? Because I said so,
1: well, that's mm-hmm. because God said so correct
0: so <laughs> hook is God saying because I said so exactly keep kosher because I said so, mm-hmm. however, just it is what you what Nina was saying before is that in mish really at the end of the day and we're not going to do this because this is this own whole class but at the end of the day really each mishpat is really a chok. Mm-hmm right because really even though it's logical and even though what happens in a case where that logic doesn't exist anymore or the law gets so specific and it doesn't what if you don't accept the logical you don't understand the logic the end of the day you're not doing it because it's logical you're doing it because god said so mm-hmm. so really every mishpat is a hook and also every hook we look for mishpat we look mm-hmm. for reasoning and we look for understanding and we look for benefits and yes we do it at the end of the day because god said so but can we find ways that we can understand it? Can we find ways that it benefits our health, our family? Our, yes, and we're supposed to. So that is what we are going to do this evening with kosher. We're gonna talk a little bit about the, uh, the practical side of it and also the benefits of, of keeping kosher. Um, so let's begin on page. I'm gonna jump around a little bit. Um, so the basics of kosher, and if you turn to page 28 in your student book, you'll see a little figure 2.1 and it says the basics of kosher. So when Sarah was doing her demo, some of this came up. We worked with animal products. We talked a little bit about meat and milk and we talked about food and vegetables and checking and what makes them kosher. So in figure 2.1, I'm going to, I'm going to just Work through it, but look, um, go ahead and look inside with me. Animal products, the meat, milk, and eggs of certain species of animals are permitted for consumption while others are forbidden. In addition, a series of laws govern how the animal should be slaughtered and which parts of the animal may be eaten. So, obviously, this is very general, but what we're saying is only some animal products may be eaten. So, only some meats, only some milks, only some, and and even those need to be sorted a certain way. Then once you have the kosher animal and the slaughtered the right way, and then you have meat from that animal, we still have the um, milk and meat. So meat and milk, even if it's kosher meat and kosher milk, they're never combined. They're separate utensils and a waiting period is observed between eating them. And then fruits and vegetables and grains, all species of fruit, vegetables and grains are kosher. That must be insect free and so and then the, so that's what we spoke about the way that you do that is with checking and there's certain you know there's lots of you can look it up online there's some. Some are straightforward some are a little bit more complicated to check there's plenty of kosher certification websites that give you the, how to check a strawberry and how to check a raspberry and lettuce and broccoli and cauliflower how to check them so that there aren't any bugs. And there's also, they added over here, which is interesting because it would apply this year. If, if your fruit and vegetable products are coming from Israel, then you would need to make sure that they were, if they were grown on a farm that's owned by a Jew, they need to be tithed properly. And if it's a Schmitta year, you wouldn't, like this year is the seventh year, it's the sabbatical. So you should not be eating products from Israel unless they're coming from, unless they're certified, which I guess means that they aren't being grown by a Jewish farmer this year. Yes. So it's actually tricky because I've seen in Kroger, something went around recently, there's a colored peppers that say made in Israel. Mm. Um, so you've got to be careful with products from Israel this year, yeah, actually. Um, yeah, oh, I think if it's a reliable Heksher my
1: son in law grows tomatoes in Israel. Oh, yeah. So I asked my daughter, is he observing the Shemitah year? Yeah. So she kind of hedged. <laughs> she said, I'll have to find out about that.
0: It's wild that it's still, it's like of most of those, these, it. all the right, there's ways around it. And there's also um, so many of the Israel laws only apply when time. there's a temple. So there's all of, and, but this mm-hmm. is, um, this is still applies and right. so there was this really beautiful video that went around of like when the schmitzer year started i guess around the high holidays mm-hmm. they had this like and it must have been a, a kibbutz or something that had a whole bunch of farms and they had this music playing and the farmers all like leave their farm mm-hmm. it was like really cool i'm mm-hmm. gonna find it and send it and it's like it's very celebratory um so that is just a side note if it's a little tricky speak to a l-o-r your local rabbi with about products that are from Israel. Mm. Um, yes, Akira.
2: Um This is a, an impossible question, but some hold that you wait three hours after eating meat before you can have dairy, some hold six. Now you have for one, why do we wait between meat and dairy? Some mm-hmm. hold that you do both ways and dairy, you don't have to wait as long. Why
0: wait? Okay, great question. It's, it, it's um, a question for another day. A question for another day. It's like to do, it's this. there's like the digestive answer for it. And then there's the Kabbalistic answer for how meat processes, like, and how you process meat Kabbalistically and spiritually and, and dairy. So definitely for another day, it's like a whole, the Rebbe talks about it in depth. Um, But the three or the six is really, it's just, it's community, it's custom. It's, it's different customs on everything in Judaism. Is this custom, the Ashkenazi, the Sephardi, this community, that community. So you go with your community, or you ask your rabbi. Okay. Okay. All right. The mitzvah. So now we are talking about some of the the um mm-hmm. that was the the basics. We're going to talk about some of the benefits that we mentioned before. What are we? What is some reasoning? Some benefits that we can we can find in the mitzvah of keeping kosher and take it a have a little bit more of a deeper relationship and appreciation of it besides for because God said so, which at the end of the day is true. It's true for all mitzvahs but we are still invited and encouraged and are supposed to, you know, question, probe and look for something deeper. Oh, whoops, oh, look at that. Oh my goodness, okay, we're gonna just, okay, can you see Sarah? Oh my goodness, Sarah, come show us. Ta-da,
2: So this is a vegetarian version. Is someone vegetarian here? No?
0: Okay. Yeah. So I. We're gonna Everyone try the chicken.
2: I'll take the vegetarian.
1: Like
0: a yeah, someone's okay. gonna try it. Okay, Ariella, you I, aren't you like, you. Start wishing you were here? <laughs> this, is, this is the the drive to be here in person, right, right here. Oh, can you <laughs> see this? Can you see like the details? It's like little crunchy there. nuts. Um, oh I served it over a quinoa. So oh, I'm I'm i am i am at dinner. Oh, okay. Are you gonna you ta- taste are you gonna taste it. a little bit? You, you can scoop some and and onto a smaller okay, yeah. plate. Just taste it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah take yeah. it home. Sure. Exactly. Pack it into your fridge and have sure. it for lunch tomorrow. Okay. Beautiful. So, so I served
2: it over quinoa, but you can serve it over rice, over oh gosh, food, yeah. faro, whatever grain you want, or no grain at all. <laughs> it. Oh, for this. Too. Ooh, it smells
1: good.
2: Are you guessing it's harmless? Yeah. Okay. So
0: the first part of um, kosher that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. in no particular order is the idea of um, of slaughtering the, the animal in a very particular way. And um, if you have the book in front of you, please join me at text three, which is on page um 29 and we'll read the text and then we'll talk a little bit more about slaughtering so what we've mentioned before was that this animal needs to be a kosher animal but it also needs to be prepared in a kosher way and the first part of preparing it in a kosher way is slaughtering it according to the according to Jewish law so um Donna how are you feeling about reading text three sure
1: One of the reasons given for the mitzvah of Shahita, which dis- prescribes that the animal be slaughtered by cutting the throat with a knife that was examined and determined to be completely smooth, is that should not cause undue suffering to the animal. The Torah permitted the killing of animals for human benefit and nourishment, but not to inflict pain on them unnecessarily. Indeed, the sages elaborated on the prohibition to cause pain to
0: animals, and concluded that it is a biblical prohibition okay so you are pro we are permitted to um to use i don't know if i like that word but we're permitted to kill it's even worse animals for nourishment however we're prohibited from doing it in a way that causes any pain so we're not going to get into you know that conversation but we're of course, people. You know, if you're not comfortable with that, you definitely don't have to eat meat and chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is the halacha. This, these are the laws. So you are. They, it is um, slaughtered in a very, very, very particular way mm-hmm. in a very particular spot with a in, like scarily. I don't know if that's a word. Sharp, sharp, terrifying sharp, knife. terrifying knife, and it's supposedly the most humane way of of slaughtering animals. So um, even when killing an animal for eating, the Torah is making sure to, to teach us and to build within us that compassion and sensitivity of character. So, The laws of Shchita teach us compassion and sensitivity. While the Torah permits consumption of meat, it forbids causing pain to the animals and instructs us that they be treated humanely throughout. So that is, um, I don't know about benefit, but that's just one. It it is a benefit because the point of what we're saying is it's actually supposed to teach us and help us practice that sensitivity. Um, Even when we're we're slaughtering animals for consumption okay let's go to so that is that is um benefit number one and if anyone wants to share it back with me just so that if if you have different words or better words the first benefit of kosher is to do with the way that we slaughter meat and that is something that Mm-hmm. yeah teaches humanely. us compassion make sure that we do it humanely and we have dominion over
1: animals it's our duty responsibility to care for them exactly. And
0: to be human, right? exactly yes and then that same that that sensitivity you know if that applies to all animals all times you know there's that there's a prohibition against treating against causing pain to animals okay. ever okay. Right. I mean, I didn't even know
1: that Jews were not supposed to hunt until um, I was in a conversation with some Jewish people. Who we're talking
0: about right hunting deer. Right. My well, hunting. It's a sport. You yeah, you wouldn't be allowed to kill for you sport. You my uh,
1: consciousness was raised. Yes. I was told that.
2: That's
0: right. So that there, there you have it. So that is even within you know, killing for eating there is that lesson that the Torah is teaching. Um, okay. The second one is, um, I'm really skipping around, because so I don't want to run out of time. Okay. So the second one, you know, you have you ever had the expression, you are what you eat? Yes. So that's that's what we're going to talk about right now. The um, What happens when you eat, obviously, is that the food is, becoming you know it's becoming part of you it's becoming part of your bloodstream it's really it's easy to understand how you, the food that you eat is becomes you but there's also you know on, a, on an energy level and on a spiritual level there's an energy um of the of what you're eating that becomes part of you as well and there's a spiritual part of what you're eating that becomes part of your spiritual makeup so when the Torah tells us which animals we can and can't eat it's very particular about the types of animals that we can and can't eat. And as you know, they happen, they are the animals that are, um, they are like, okay, we'll read it in sad. The birds that are forbidden are all the predators. We are only eating um,
2: non-predatory.
0: non-predatory animals and birds mm-hmm. because we don't want that energy becoming part of our energy. What's
2: energy?
0: What's wrong with the energy of animals that kill other animals? To, um, yeah, we we are oh, gonna go with the with the um, non-predatory energy. Okay, so we'll read it in and we'll talk about it a little bit more. So text seven, Charna. You
1: become what you.
0: Eat. You become what you eat. There you go. Not what you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: The birds that are forbidden by the Torah for consumption are all predators. The Torah tells us to avoid them because the trait of cruelty is in their blood, and consuming them would impart the trait of cruelty to our hearts.
0: Okay, so because we are um, absorbing this into our bloodstream, and we know this, you know, today more than ever before, like you are a we are every part of us is interconnected so the spiritual the emotional the physical what we're eating is not only affecting our physical health it's affecting our as emotionally it's affecting us mentally it's affecting us spiritually and same with everything like when you are on a healing path you're not only eating differently you're also you know doing you're you're working on your mental you're meditating you're breathing you're you're surrounding yourself with certain energies and environments so we're everything is connected. We can't separate our mind and our body and our character. So when you eat what you, what you eat actually can, it's not only physical nutrition, it's spiritual mm-hmm. nutrition. And we are very careful with what we put into our body, what spiritual energy we put into our body. And so an animal, obviously it's not actually cruel because that's the way God created that animal to, to sustain itself. But that whisper of 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 cruelty in there that it does kill to eat we are we don't want to bring that into ourselves we want to remain much um, spiritually sensitive and energetically sensitive so the the food that enters our body because it becomes integrated into our not just our physical health but our mind our character our emotion our spirituality we are very careful with what we eat and well the Torah actually I mean the Torah tells us which animals we do and which ones we don't Um, Okay, I actually skipped one and I really liked it. We're gonna go back a little bit. Okay, then another, just moving around this. So that is the second one. The first one we said was, um, it is teaching us some level of compassion and sensitivity. The second, that was the first, the second one was we are um, being careful to only bring in um, gentle, energy into ourselves and not any predatory or cruel energy Mm -hmm. into ourselves. And the third one is um, the concept of giving ourselves boundaries. So what we're creating is this, like we don't just eat. It's not about what we do. And it's less about what we do and don't eat. And just about the idea of having things that we do eat and things that we don't eat. And, and that, that like, we don't just eat. Everything is so healthy for us and having you know training ourselves have those to have those boundaries and I think of kids all the time that you and anybody that keeps kosher will give you the same example with kids like you will have go shopping with your kid they'll melt down because they want that toy Mm -hmm. and they want that candy and you can I don't have money I don't have time you already got this yesterday we'll get a free whatever it is whatever excuse you give them even if you're firm they're kicking and screaming. If you tell them it's not kosher, it's just it's magic. Fa- it's magic. So it doesn't work when it's actually not when you're just using it. Like, they just know there's no wiggle room. It is what it is. And so besides the fact that you there's no ta- you don't get a, ta- a tantrum in the middle of the store. How how brilliant is it to teach a young child from that age, at, you don't like it's not you don't get everything right. there's some things that you do and some things that you don't and that idea is so beneficial so the uh, Michael met um, well my, text five of us is Maimonides so Nina you um, know if you can read text 5 page 31
1: sure. the purpose of these dietary laws is to curb our appetites and the unbridled pursuit what is most pleasurable and to prevent us from making the desire for food and drink the ultimate purpose of our existence
0: okay and then i'm going to read recheck six It's a little bit of a story that michael medved is an american radio personality he told this in an in an article in the york post he told a personal story which describes some, what we were just what we are talking about right now a few weeks ago my six-year-old daughter did something that greatly upset one of my professional colleagues at the same time, it made her father enormously proud. It happened when I took her to a television taping. When While I answered questions, my daughter chatted with the show's associate producer, a bright, capable TV veteran I've known for nearly a decade. This producer seemed specially delighted. She fussed and cooed over Sarah's hair, ribbons, and burly dress, then brought her colored pens, blank paper, and glasses of orange juice. When I finished my interview, I saw that my daughter had also received a large imported chocolate bar in gold foil wrapping. Daddy, look what Cindy gave to me, she said proudly, but I didn't open it because I thought it might not be kosher. Will you look and check and see if it's okay? Our children have lived all their lives in a kosher home and they know that unfamiliar products should be checked for the recognized insignia that certifies that all the ingredients conform to Jewish dietary laws. My daughter was hoping against hope that I would detect some excuse in the fine print on the wrapper that she hadn't been able to find that the absence of any visible certification created a problem. I'm sorry, Sarah, I said, handing it back to her after a careful search. I just don't see any kosher mark. My six-year-old looked crestfallen for just a moment but quickly recovered and bravely passed the bar back to the lady who had given it to her. Thank you, she said with a shy smile. I'm sorry but I can't eat it. Mm -hmm. The episode might have ended here except that Sydney felt it deserved further discussion. I cannot believe what I just saw she exploded and set on to berate me Mm -hmm. and by implication my wife for destroying Sarah's sense of fun and spontaneity encouraging compulsive behavior and contaminating our kid with fearful and suspicious ideas she found it scary that the kid gave up a piece of candy she obviously relished like some zombie father of david Porish. Oh <laughs> mm-hmm. worst of all cindy believed that this sick authoritarian emphasis on kosher minuati would cripple my child's ability to reach decisions for herself and would make her grow up feeling different from other kids mm. It's hard to believe that Sydney would have responded in the same emotional way had Sarah given up the chocolate bar for some other reason, because it was too fattening, for example, or too high in cholesterol. It was precisely the religious basis for the sacrifice that made it seem so irrational and unwholesome. Wow. This is one aspect of the so-called culture war that is seldom noted. In the same way that traditional believers are occasionally appalled by what they consider the heedless indulgence of secular America, secularists Mm -hmm. are often horrified by what they perceive as the pointless restraints and rituals of religion. Mm -hmm. Really, this is very interesting, but we're not the point of this, but the practice of drawing distinctions, which represent such an important focus of Jewish tradition seems arbitrary and threatening to many non-religious people. I believe with all my heart that my daughter's childhood training in making such distinctions will stand her in good stead as she grows older. It seems to me a beautiful thing, not a neurotic distortion that a little girl is able to cheerfully sacrifice the sweet taste of candy for the sake of a set of external standards. I can think of no more valuable gift I can give my children than equipping them to resist the pressure of their peers and to fight the all-powerful adolescent instinct to go along with the crowd. A person who examines every bit of food she consumes may learn to evaluate more important aspects of behavior with similar care. In short, I'm proud of my Sarah is an out of fashion, still useful word that can be applied to the traits she displayed. They call it character. So to you know, to teach ourselves, to train ourselves that it's some things are just not kosher. And while I was reading this this time, I was actually thinking that besides with the the character building and training that that, that healthy tra- that this healthy education that we give children it is also um it's also so healthy for us as parents because we're in this black say yes you know and, and yes I, and I, I love you know saying t- say teaching say yes and and as much as possible but it's not healthy when everything's yes no
1: you know, there's a very famous psychological test where they try to see what children can postpone uh, the treat, you know, put off the pleasure to do mm -hmm. the task. And it seems to be very, very, very predictive of success in life. Um, This is a great example. Yeah.
0: So that's actually interesting. I wonder if children that have kosher practice would do better at that. that, That's the marshmallow test. test Right. It's the marshmallow test. test.
2: Right. They put That's the
0: marshmallows right. in front mm-hmm. of the kids mm-hmm. and w- told them if you um, if mm-hmm. you wait a certain amount of time, right. you'll get two. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of watched the kids through the like you know, and seeing which kids could and couldn't, and how much they struggled with impulse and with mm-hmm. waiting. And the ones that yeah, because this they did this a long time ago, and they already they followed them. Um, right into adulthood the the ones that were able to wait were more successful in, in, in life. So this is that this is training that this is this is training their muscle. And it's also good for us parents because we just get into this like give up yes you know it's actually healthy for us and healthy for them that that not everything is yes.
2: It also makes other people aware at work my manager literally came up to me more than once and said Tell me what is kosher and what isn't kosher? How do you know if it's kosher? And today he bought me like three bags of glazed potato chips and he's like, okay, you said that the plain glazed potato chips are kosher, mm-hmm. right? And I know that this is the stuff that you mm-hmm. eat every day at lunch. So he got me like a whole bag
0: of food and Sweet. everyone right. always and makes sure t- t- it's Teaching kosher. everybody, um, it's honing everybody's sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had this back, like, so my son's teacher said to me, um, said, you know, someone had like some sort of, something a bar protein bar a fig bar and it's in a school where most kids are kosher everyone's kosher I don't Mm -hmm. know about everyone but most kids are kosher and like he just didn't eat it because it was something that he hadn't seen in his house and when he told me that story I was very proud you know yes of the fact that he didn't eat something because everybody was eating it in the picture but just that he was able to control himself and not eat it
2: the harder thing to do You think it's hard to control yourself around food that's not kosher? Try controlling yourself around food that is. (laughs) All
0: right, well, that's going to be another another class. (laughs) Um, Okay, so that is a third benefit. um, Practicing those boundaries. And as I said, it's it's less about, less significant in, in this idea, what the limits are. The fact that there are limits is what elevates us. Um, but then we kind of went out of order. The the, still the laws of kosher are deeper than just boundaries. In other words, yes, there's a value to boundaries, but the the boundaries of kosher are not arbitrary. Um, they themselves are mm. engineered to create holiness within us. So one of the ways was what we said: we're eating only eating animals that are um, friendly, grass-eating animals, and um, we are. It's it's teaching us sensitivity. And now we are going to talk about one more idea before we get to some practical parts of kosher. And that is the idea of raising sparks. So the idea of raising sparks is that our relationship with food runs both directions. The food we said, we spoke about the food that we eat becomes the energy within us. And what we eat, we are able to make what we eat realize its true potential through eating it. So, the food is inf- affecting us and we are affecting what we eat. Every time we use the energy that we received from the food that we ate for something positive, we raise all the resources that we use to do the mitzvah, making them participants in that elevation. So, when we, you know, when we are, whatever activity we're doing that is bringing positivity and holiness to our world, the food that we ate that day and the bed that we slept on the night before and the car that we drove in to get there, those are all elevated because they were resources to do that, that mitzvah. So the actual animal that is been killed, even so to be eaten is now reaching, realizing its true potential because it is being elevated because it was used in a mitzvah. Um, So with with food, however, there's a caveat, not all food can be elevated. So if you eat something, give me a not kosher, typical not kosher food, If you eat shrimp on the way to services, and then you have a, you know, a a very focused and meditative morning of, of praying that not kosher food that you do ate wasn't elevated through that, because it's in the category of, of not supposed to be, of not kosher. And, what we'll, and that category actually gets elevated through not eating it, right? Mm-hmm. So some things are being elevated through eating it and using it for mitzvah. And the things that you're not allowed to eat are supposed to elevate through not eating. Um, and um, if you look on page 55, this, I really like this. It explains it well. 55. page no sorry oh,
2: 35,
0: 35. <laughs> the tanya so the the hasidic classic tanya written by Reb ripshneir zalman of liadi the Alter Rebbe, he explains the deeper meaning of the word of the hebrew words asur and mutar asur mm. means not allowed and mutar means allowed and it's used all over jewish law allowed not allowed allowed not allowed this food is allowed this food is not allowed and he explains a deeper <coughs> meaning to those words and he explains, if you look in the chart, asur, the literal meaning means forbidden and the deeper meaning means bound and imprisoned. Mm-hmm. Now, What is bound and imprisoned, one second. Mm-hmm. And then the next word is mutar, which means permitted. And the deeper meaning is unbound and released, mm-hmm. okay? So when, when, the, when the Torah says mm-hmm. eating a um, buffalo, is asur, and eating a, um, ca- ca- a calf is mutter. That's all, this is forbidden, this is permitted. It's telling us the spark of the divine spark and the divine potential within a buffalo is bound and it's imprisoned and we are not able to release that spark through eating it. And the spark within the sheep, cow or the sheep, or the kosher animal is unbound and we have the ability to, re- to elevate it through eating it. So now this is really, we said everything has a spark, but not everything can, not, we don't have the potential through our efforts to elevate all the sparks directly by using them. Some of them are, are, are elevated through, um, through not using. Mm. So what we're doing when we're eating is <clears throat> doing something to ourself. We're doing something to our energy. We're doing something to our physical health, to our um, spiritual health. We're also doing something to the animal that we are eating. And we're, elevating that animal to reach its full potential. Okay, now let's finish off with a few practical, practical um, kosher, kosher tips. Um, the first one is about kosher symbols, okay? So those were, just to put that, Just we're just gonna close that chapter and open the next one, which is short and sweet, and then we are gonna enjoy our food. Um, mm-hmm. We spoke about four benefits of kosher. One is it just, it teaches us to be more sensitive towards all animals, especially the animals that we are using to as food and nourishment. It teaches us boundaries, it teaches us to self-control. It teaches us, um, it helps us elevate the sparks within these animals and fish and birds that have a spark that can be elevated. We release that spark and we elevate that spark to its full potential by eating it. And what did I miss? Themis one.
2: How it's how it's prepared.
1: We didn't talk about why an animal is kosher or not kosher. Yeah, we did. No, we didn't say anything about
0: having um, chewing its cud and having a sorority. right. Right, the very very like the which very, animals are right. the signs of a kosher the animal. Right, we kosher. did not get into that. Um, we could. Um, we're going to talk now about the how to know. Things that you're actually buying because we're not going to some well it would be really nice if we were like going to the farm and you know picking our cow right. but we aren't we're going to the sh- most of us most of the time we're going to the shop into Kroger, and to trade joe's so let's look at the big five which will always to me the big five mm-hmm. lion what are the big five lion Tiger, buffalo, rhinoceros. In South Africa, when you go to the safari, you look for the big five. Elephant, I don't know if it's a giraffe. Elephant, maybe. Elephant, leopard, cheetah, buffalo, rhino, when, and like lion. My husband
1: says giraffe is actually a kosher animal, but how would you check Giraffe them? is a kosher right. animal. But how would you check? Correct. Because <laughs> this spot
0: that? where because this this spot is so specific, like they cut the mm-hmm. throat in such a specific spot. It? I don't think they know exactly where that spot right. is besides the practical, like how would you You'd have to climb get the there? <laughs> you can't like, kind of like, Oh, right. maybe, maybe because then you're right. causing, starting to cause pain. So we don't, we don't actually start a giraffe. Right. Um, okay. So the big five is on page 36. These are the five highly regarded kosher symbols. There's many, many, many more. And there's a resource that I'm happy to share that gives you a list of them. There's many, 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 many that are not reliable.
2: Like so just point. because
0: it has a kosher sign, I'm not going to say specifically which ones are not. I will say that these five are, you know, first of all, these five, whatever percentage of food in America is kosher, these five are going to be on the majority of those. Mm-hmm. So you're very, very safe. If it has an OU, an OK, a star K, a Huff K, and a CRC, mm-hmm. and there's plenty more that are reliable, and there are plenty, plenty that are not reliable. So don't. Assume that just because it has a kosher symbol, it is automatically kosher. You can look them all up, but I will share a resource that has a full list of reliable kosher um herchers. So those but those are just a good five to like have to know. Um now why can't we just read the ingredients? So It is tricky with just reading ingredients because there is a percentage of something is less than a certain percent within food, then the FDA does not make you list it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So um, I remember learning this in school that some dyes, like some red dyes are like beetle Mm -hmm. blood or (laughs) ant blood.
1: Rabbi mm-hmm. Lou taught us. He Did used he? Used to say, I think they yeah, just maybe they just tell that, it, that to us to like scare us. He said they do use bugs to create the dyes. dyes. Yeah. So he used to at the time Gatorade was not this was years ago. Oh, was Gatorade wasn't kosher. kosher. He, he used to call it bug juice. Oh, that's hilarious. Don't drink
0: Gatorade. It's bug juice. Right. They used it at the dyes. <laughs> that's Yossi Lou. That's funny. So if because <laughs> I don't know, nice. it used to be, yeah. I don't know if it's changed, but when we learned this, we know it was like less than 1%, less than 2%. Um, so they don't have to list it. So you are not, you are not safe to just go buy ingredients. Right. Some and, the that makes it. and then equipment, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um,
2: said that boiled peanuts, While well, the boiled peanuts themselves may be kosher. We can't just go to the close, like, down, you know, side of the road to buy them. Like, I thought we could, but she said that it could be the, it could be the, it could be the pot or it could be what they put in the water. It could be a yeah. ton of different things. Yeah, These there's so many so different things. I mean,
0: the big conversation that we're not going to get into now because a lot of people do do it. But like, you know, if you're stopping in Starbucks and it's coffee and ready coffee is kosher, yes. you know, if it's just mm. coffee, beans, ground, and they're kosher. Mm. And then you're getting the, so- you know, you're not using the milk, you're getting the almond milk. Mm-hmm. So is it, isn't it kosher? And then it just gets into... Like you know, are they washing parts of the machine in the dishwasher with other stuff? And are they? Is it one of the Starbucks that sell restaurant that sells the sandwiches? Because now they started doing sandwiches. So yeah, there's you know, is the product kosher? Is even if the ingredients are all kosher in it, equipment, is there something that they're not listing? Um, So when a symbol, when when a kosher, when a a food item has a kosher symbol and it's a reliable one, um, there was rabbis who you know, first made sure mm-hmm. that the company was using all kosher ingredients and whatever other if they were getting products from another factory, they're checking that also. Mm-hmm. And then they're making sure that the process and the equipment is being cleaned and koshered Maspia? and used all in the right way. Mashbia? No, mashgia. Sorry, I got be... so the agencies and they're they're spot checked and they're, you know, this is it's a big it's a kosher certification is a um it's a huge business and it's there's a lot of the standards and they're spot checking. They're not having a, like, it depends on a factory might not have a full-time a restaurant would, but the rabbis are showing up anytime, anytime they change a product, they're sending it in it has to get recertified. Um, so. so some, you know, sometimes you know,
1: you'll find something that used to be kosher. And isn't right, right. You really have to check. Exactly. You have to
0: check each time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, because it could be that, you know, they showed up once and they were using products that weren't, they, you know, they hadn't sent in, they hadn't been certified. So even if they are kosher, then they lose trust of that, that, that brand. Um, so obviously this was different in the Stetzel and in the good old days where they were kind of making everything themselves and growing it and farming things. But now in the 20th century with all this industrialized
2: mm-hmm. food product,
0: the kosher certification has become a necessity. Um, okay. So simply looking at the ingredients is not a good idea. Um, <clears throat> even a small trace can render something not kosher. So that's why we are not going to go by ingredients only. Um, that is this one final thought that I want to share, which is um, something at the Rebbe Shed, which is beautiful, about having a pushka, having a tzedakah box in a kitchen. So not directly related to kosher at all, but the Rebbe will conclude today's class with something that the Rebbe said, which is over here on page 37. It's a long, um, it's a long quote, but I will read it. And that will be the conclusion of my lesson. It's beautiful. The kitchen is the most significant space. On the face of it, it may seem that the dining room where kiddush is recited on Shabbat, the living room, or certainly a room reserved for prayer have greater importance. Nevertheless, the kitchen is uniquely significant. It is known that a person's nature is influenced by the food he eats, hence the special role of the kitchen, which carries the responsibility of supplying kosher food to the family, thereby positively influencing their nature and character. In the writings of the sages, one of the reasons given for the laws of kosher is that eating kosher ennobles and refines a person's character. If a person eats not kosher foods, for example, a bird of prey or a carnivorous animal, they will, impart, they will this will impart to the eater the trait of cruelty and aggression, whereas eating kosher food refines our character, helps us pray properly and fulfill the mitzvot as we should, and enhances our mental ability to understand and teach Torah properly and accurately. Kosher food also has a strong influence in raising our children. A child's upbringing is not only determined by school, the, the, by the school he or she attends, but it is also influenced by a kosher diet. When children eat kosher, they can be educated properly, and this is all—you know—pieces we spoke about some of these pieces today. We can now appreciate the enormous responsibility that rests on the Jewish woman, as the one who is responsible for the kashrut of the food coming from the kitchen, to purchase food that has the highest kosher standards and to cook and prepare it in accordance with kosher laws. Indeed, this attests to the great trust that is placed in the Jewish woman in other areas of Torah. Matter is verified only upon the testimony of two witnesses. So for the woman, um, a Jewish woman in the, oops, I skipped, sorry, I just want but in the kosher kitchen, a Jewish woman is trusted on her own. For the woman to carry so great a responsibility, she requires divine assistance. For even the most pious and righteous person needs God's help to succeed in doing the right thing. I have a suggestion to make in this area. So this is the Rebbe speaking. Before preparing a meal, give money to tzedakah for the purpose of obtaining food for those in need when god sees that the woman of the house has ahavachisrael and donates money to charity because she cares for the poor then god will reward her measure for measure and he will bestow her generosity upon her from his full open holy and abundant hand god will assist her to carry out the vital responsibility and the food will be kosher as well as tasty (laughs) Moreover, when we give charity before preparing our meal, we symbolically connect the meal with the needy person we are feeding. So it's charity specifically to somebody that's going to that's help somebody that's, um, with food. We may, know, we may not know the poor person's address, and it may take some time until the money reaches them. Nevertheless, as we place the money into the pushka now before preparing the day's meal, we are thinking about the poor person who does not have food, wherever they may be, and committing to send this money to them. Based on the Baal Shem Tov's thoughts, based on the Baal Shem Tov's teaching, you are where your thoughts are. It is as if you are together with that poor person who's going to eat your food at that moment. Mm. It is therefore a good idea to make a pushka, a tzedakah box, a permanent fixture in the kitchen. It's not just to have it standing on the counter, but actually to affix it Mm -hmm. to the wall, Mm -hmm. it will remind us to give charity in in the spirit of Avachisro'al. It is fitting to place the pushka in a conspicuous place. This way, when guests or friends come to visit, they will notice the pushka and ask about it. Why do you have Mm -hmm. a pushka screwed into your kitchen wall? Mm -hmm. Then we can explain to them and they will be inspired to put one in their own home as well. We can add another meritorious feature by attaching the pushka to the wall with a nail or the like, In this way, the pushka will become part of the house, and the entire house become the house of tzedakah. How beautiful! So, if you're wondering when you come to my house why there is a pushka screwed into the kitchen wall, this is why. Isn't that beautiful? beautiful. You're gonna have it now.
2: (laughs) I have that. of course yes she said it was more like upstairs yes so we just got a request upstairs. for World seconds or? there's a whole other bowl over here also there and is I a bowl know, yeah this one, one looks i'm going
0: to give you this one because i want some but that one yeah, looks yeah, like I know. a lot yeah, i
2: want you to that one's a, a vegetarian this is vegetarian yeah
0: is there one non-vegetarian one. Yeah. Is it there? Awesome. yeah so i'm just going to take some of this onto different packs i want to oh, take that guys any questions we're going to dig in now thank you can you show me how to get out good night thanks you're welcome good night guys you can unmute and say hey good night enjoy thank you, it's really nice thank you
2: Very nice thank you, you guys
0: good night enjoy thank you, thank you. Thank you.